It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum number 236. Quantum, the podcast, looks at news and views and culture from a Christian view, but open to everybody. And thanks again for all the feedback you've been giving and questions that people ask. And some people say, we'd like to go into things in more depth, but uh, the... I'm afraid we keep expanding this podcast and I can't really increase the size of it anymore. Um, But I hope it does provoke you to think. And we're going to... A theme, I think, for today is basically ideology. And uh, I tell you what, let's start with C60. Hey, man, where we get this hot and do this from? Is that the best we got? Where are all the leaders gone? Brother Martin Luther King. Brother Bobby Kennedy. Gotta stop the hatred now. Give back to love and peace. Gotta stop the hatred now. Give back to love and peace. Give back to love and love and peace. Well, there's an ideology we can all agree with, isn't it? Nice thing to say. Gotta stop the hatred now. Get back to love and peace. But where does love come from? And how do we get peace? Those remain the great questions. Well, one of the issues that we were looking at over the past few weeks or has been this question of the birth rate and the danger, the decline that is occurring in places like Japan and China and in Europe and the danger that comes from that. Well, here's Jordan Peterson talking about part of the reason for that. Somebody clipped a part of one of my podcasts, I believe it was, where I was talking about what our society does to 19-year-old women, or 18-year-old women, 19-year-old women. We just lie to them all the time. You know, the first lie is, there's nothing more important than your career, more or less by definition. That's the first lie. The second lie is, there will be nothing more important to you in your life than your career. So that's the second lie. And then the third lie is there should be nothing more important in your life than your career. So that's the third lie. And then implicit in that is the idea that children are a burden and that the idea that women should have children is part of the oppressive patriarchy and should be resisted. And who are men to tell me what I can do with my body? Hey, fair enough. And et cetera, et cetera. Now, I've now been- he then goes on after that to discuss, uh, and again, as with all the clips here, uh, I put them up on the, the website and so on. But he goes on to talk about change that occurs to women in careers in the early 30s and the, the shift that they move towards wanting a child. And sometimes for some people it's too late. But it is this notion, this is where ideology comes in, you see, because this ideology is being perpetuated, as he puts it, the three lies that career is the most important thing. And it really isn't, not for men nor women. And the, the ideology that says children are a burden rather than a blessing. 
which is what the, the Bible teaches us. And I think that it, that's actually what, what he's got there is a fairly profound insight. And I think we live in, when you live in a materialistic culture, which celebrates more than anything individual pleasure and then kind of group identities as well and the ideologies that go along with all of that, then you will see children as a burden. But they are not. They are a blessing. And then speaking of ideology, there was a horrific thing that happened in the uh, United States. Uh, Listen to this. As you say, Miriam, it's extremely graphic graphic footage. We've seen um, the traffic stop, which resulted in the beating of the 29-year-old man from a, a few different angles, a couple of body cam images, and possibly the most shocking piece of video is from a pole, a pole camera looking down uh, as several officers who had chased uh, Tyree down. He had uh, escaped, run away from the initial altercation. Um, They attack him with a a baton. They punch him in the head. Uh, They kick him. It goes on for several minutes. It's uh, it's very, very difficult uh, to watch. And uh, in a short excerpt, we I think we can have a look at now. Uh, he's heard calling out for his mother. Hey. Mom! Hey. You know that is Tyre Nichols. Now, I don't recommend looking at the video. I, I didn't. I looked at part of it. Um, and then just stopped because I just thought, what's the point? What's the point of me seeing some policeman beat up this black guy and just kill him? It's just extremely disturbing. Now, where the ideology comes in here is that Black Lives Matter has already said that This is a result of systemic racism. He said, he mattered to everyone, their statement continues, except those, this is Tyler Nichols, except those upholding state-sanctioned violence and a dangerous cycle of white supremacy. Today, our community is grieving another beautiful black life stolen by state-sanctioned violence. There continues to be a consistent failure of our current public safety model to protect black lives and communities. There's so much that's wrong with that. Firstly, that their statement about state-sanctioned violence is demonstrably false because the state is prosecuting the five officers involved for second-degree murder. And secondly, this was not five white police officers beating up a black man. This was five black police officers. And I've actually seen people arguing that in reality they were white. Now, at this point grasp on reality that our some of our culture has has just been lost and we've ended ended up in this world this weird world of um you're only black if you have the right views you're if you're white you must be racist and if you commit violence then you must be white and and so on and that's where the ideology does so much harm to people the fact is that This was a horrific murder by people who were in authority and as policemen, they should, I think, be even more severely punished for it. But to use this 
in your ideological argument is, I think, pretty grotesque. All right, some world news. Well, in Pakistan, something horrific happened. Uh, There's at least 33 people being killed, 150 wounded in a blast at a mosque inside a Pakistan police headquarters on Monday. Now, that itself is horrific. It occurred in the provincial capital of Peshawar, close to the tribal areas that border Afghanistan, where militancy has been increasing, and there will probably be many more deaths. And again, the ideology that causes people to go out and bomb and maim and destroy. Or we think about what's going on in Ukraine. I'm just looking at three areas in the world. Just some news there from the war. Uh, Of course, the big news was that the Germans and the Americans have agreed to send tanks, but not planes. The other big news, I think, for me is that I've been reading further reports, which is what I feared might happen, saying this is going to be a never-ending war. And then another very interesting item is that sanctions against Russia, which we were told would have this tremendous impact and which cost the West a lot, haven't actually worked. The International Monetary Fund, if you trust them, have said that Russian output, the economy, will actually expand by 0.3% this year and 2.1% next year. Unlike, for example, the British economy, which is expected to contract by 0.6% this year. Now, there are various reasons I don't trust the IMF, mainly because their predictions are usually wrong. But nonetheless, it is clear that the the impact was supposed to happen on Russia hasn't happened, and that's because the rest of the world continues to trade with Russia. And then something happened, I'm I'm not sure if you're aware of this, this was a big deal, but there has been a series of attacks uh, on Iran, and it is believed to be Israel. Um, One, for example, was a clandestine drone strike targeting a defence compound producing ammunition. This is tied in with the Ukraine war, of course, because the uh, uh, Iranians have been supplying weapons and drones in particular to the Russians. And then let's just go across to the other, uh, another part of the world, Canada, and just w- as I watch what's happened in what's happening in Scotland, which is again, as I keep promising, we will get to. Um, I think the only country that's heading down our trajectory just as fast towards destruction in terms of kind of woke progressivism is Canada. And this week in Canada, heroin has been decriminalized in Vancouver. Uh, This is British Columbia. Adults in possession of 2.5 grams of heroin, fentanyl, cocaine, meths or ecstasy will not be arrested or even have their drugs seized. There are more than 2,272 deaths from illicit substances in the province. It's extraordinary. Just absolutely extraordinary. And speaking of drugs... Here is part of an extraordinary video of uh, an executive from Pfizer, which 
Um, well, listen to just part of it first. In these monkeys. Okay. And then we successively, like, cause them to keep infecting each other. And we collect serial samples from them. And then the ones that are more infectious, like the virus, we'll put them in another monkey. And you just constantly actively mutate it. That's one way. Okay. That was Joshua Tristan Walker. He's the Pfizer Director of Research and Development, Strategic Operations and MRNA Planning. It was a Project Veritas sting. Uh, it's been filmed, uh, I think, some, almost up to 100 million views of it. It is a quite extraordinary video. What does he say in it? Well, amongst other things, he's saying that Pfizer are experimenting on COVID, um, seeking to mutate it. So the argument is that they can be better prepared with vaccines. But as he points out, the danger is that they create a virus, they do a gain-of-function research. Later on, he says they're not doing that, but he describes it as adding more potency, which is exactly what gain-of-function does. In other words, we're giving it some increased potency, increased function, but we're not calling it gain-of-function because that would be illegal. But they're still doing it. Interestingly, he also says that there is no way that COVID... Uh, in Wuhan was an accident. And what he means by that is that he, he's pretty, seems to say it came out of the experiments that were going on in the Wuhan lab. Extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary. And then of course, ideology, we, we cannot leave out the ideology of climate change. Hills, here's Bill Maher. Now, the whole of this clip, seven minutes is worth watching. Uh, warn you that it does contain some bad language and so on, but here's the first minute of his latest monologue. We have to stop being insane in our approach to fixing the environment and try something new. I, I don't know what will work, but I know what didn't work. Asking people to be good. Trying to convince our citizens and other countries to use less and pollute less, sacrifice more. Mm. When you tell humans, if you do these environmentally friendly things, we can all continue to live, their response is, what's in it for me? <laughs> so just to be clear, I do still believe very much that climate change is an emergency, but I don't think we're going to win it by grocery shopping with a laundry bag. <laughs> or banning the gas stoves, or imagining a human can really drink this through a paper straw. <laughs> and we all must be aware by now that what buying everything from Amazon does to the environment. But do we stop? No. The verdict is in. Humans are not good people. <laughs> it's... <laughs> It's just not in us, including me. And I'm tired of living a, well, not a lie, but it's also something I never mention, but it's a new year and I'd like to come clean. My name is Bill. <laughs> and I fly private. Now, what I love about all of that is his honesty. He, he goes on to point out things like scrolling on your phone can use more energy than a refrigerator, but no one's going to give that up. 
But his main line is just simply this. He's saying, you can't deal with this unless you're going to change human behavior. And bottom line is, humans are not good people. It reminds me a lot of the famous Gus Spieth quote. Now, Gus Spieth was a climate scientist, founder and trustee of the uh, of um, the United Nations Development Program. He's a former chairman of the Council on Environmental Quality. And this is what he said. I used to think that the top environmental problems were biodiversity loss, ecosystem collapse, and climate change. I thought that 30 years of good science could address these problems. I was wrong. The top environmental problems are selfishness, greed, and apathy. And to deal with these, we need a cultural and spiritual transformation. And we scientists don't know how to do that. Ain't that the truth? Okay, that's quite a a lot. Let's just chill out and listen to some great music. The title of it tells us what we need, what Gus Spieth is pointing out. We can't deal with this just with science. We need something supernatural. This is Supernatural from Peter Green. Peter Green, old Fleetwood Mac, very troubled person in many ways, but some fabulous music. You probably know Albatross, it would be the best piece of music you would know from him. And I I, I think that the title of that song does indicate what we do need, which is something supernatural. All right, I'll tell you what, let's... uh, Go on to some sport, some sport. Just come away from the... Well, actually, no. This still has to do with the ideology. I'll explain why in a moment. Well, it's a court he was not allowed to play on this time last year. He watched helplessly as Rafa edged him in the, the Grand Slam count, but he is tied Nadal now. And Novak overcome with emotion as a result of all of... all the things he's had to fight against. It's been his body this year. He hasn't been able to practice on off days. He's been strapped up, and he is just overcome with emotion, and it's understandable. Now he's won in Melbourne now 10 times. And, of course, he was banned from participating in last year, not because of science, but because of politics and because of ideology. And uh, I think this one meant a lot for him. By the way, I, I didn't. It meant a lot also for the thirty-five thousand Serbs who gathered at the stadium. Um, one of the things you need to understand about Australia is there are very strong expatriate expat communities from many, many parts of the world, including Serbia. I also didn't know that uh, Djokovic is a vegan. 
and I did know, and you could see that in the reaction, he's a very strong family man. Okay, um, this is an extraordinary thing from the NHS in the United Kingdom. Uh, I can't remember, oh, it's the Midlands Partnership, that's right. They're advertising. Now, the National Health Service in the UK is desperately short of funds, but that doesn't stop them advertising for a director for lived experience. We are seeking an interpersonally talented and strategic bridge builder to join our trust board in the exciting new post of director for lived experience. And I wondered, what is this? Um, maybe this will help you. Listen to this. The post holder will be responsible for establishing and maintaining the highest levels of lived experience practice and amplifying the voice of those using services within decision-making at all levels of the organisation. This is gobbledygook. This post will become trust recovery-led, building on nearly a decade of co-produced-led development of recovery-focused work across our local healthcare system, which has involved the recruitment and development of explicit lived experience roles within the workforce, including leadership positions, coordination, co-production, developments. Oh, I can't read anymore. It just goes on and on and on like that. But here's the point. It's a hundred and ten thousand to a hundred and fifteen thousand pounds per annum salary for a director of lived experience oh I think I need some of this That's Black Coffee by Humble Pie, uh, a report out this week in, I think it was in which? It says that caffeine levels in high street coffee vary wildly according to testing. They measured the caffeine in cappuccino, espresso and filter coffee at Café Nero, Costa, Greggs, Predamange and Starbucks. They found that Predamange's single espresso, get this, had six times as much caffeine as Starbucks that Costa had the strongest medium cappuccino with 325 milligrams of caffeine and that the Starbucks cappuccino contained the least at 66 milligrams. Well, here in Australia, you're more or less committing blasphemy if you go to Starbucks. Um, they, they're really fanatical about coffee here, and I love it. Uh, um, across the road, my friend Abdullah just got this wee coffee place. Well, I call him my friend now because I go in there at least twice a week and produces some cracking coffee. It's great. But Starbucks, bleh. No thanks. All right, we've been talking about ideology. 
but I thought I would just do a little review of a TV series we've been watching. Do you know what this is? all creatures great and small not the remake but the original series with 90 episodes we're a bit about a third of the way through them myself and Annabelle sit and watch it most evenings uh Robert Hardy is it you know the the story all creatures great and small James Herriot's book and uh about being a vet in Yorkshire in the late 1930s early 1940s with Robert Hardy Christopher Timothy Peter Davison Carol Drinkwater and I think the word I would use to describe it is we love sitting and watching it. It's so wholesome is the word I would use. You don't feel dirty after watching it. You don't feel yuck. Um, there's just something really nice about it. Now, I think of my father. It reminds me of a lot of my father. A lot of the situations I recognize in terms of farms and vets and everything else. So I guess that's why. But some people would say, yeah, right, but you're just doing what Jethro Tull sang about. Here they are. Well, maybe we are, but maybe the past sometimes is a good place. And I know it's an idealized version, but any society that cannot learn from the past is in deep trouble. I was going to go, but I do have to play this. Let's just do something about the church. This is the comedian Sandy Toxvig. Well, yesterday I went to have coffee, uh, tea actually, with the Archbishop of Canterbury. Not a sentence I thought would ever come out of my mouth. We had agreed to such an unusual meeting following my public expression of distress last year when Justin, the Archbishop, reaffirmed the validity of a 1998 declaration by the Church that gay sex is a sin. Given the state of the world, I felt all the many bishops might have better things to talk about. Anyway, from our very calm and considered conversation yesterday, it is very clear that the State Church of England and the society it purports to represent are not remotely in step. Justin was keen for me to see that they are moving forward, but conceded that any progress, as I would see it, if it happens at all, will be glacial. It was very clear that opposing factions of the worldwide Anglican Communion are being in part held together at the expense of the human rights of the LGBT plus community. It's not okay. And I said so. I asked Justin if he could just come out. I don't mean make a surprise announcement about his sexuality, but come out as a gay ally. Basically, to come out for love. Love for all, without exceptions, and not the current Orwellian position where it would seem we are all created equal, but some are more equal than others. I hope that will happen, but I do not intend to wait upon the church. 
In the next few weeks, I will be reaching out to the LGBT plus community and all our allies to see what can be done. The present position is untenable. In the meantime, please, let's all come out for love. Now, that's an extraordinary video. Let me just point out why. She, had, she thought the bishops might have better things to talk about. But what is she talking about? What does she continually talk about? She thinks that the Church of England is there to represent the society. The Church is not there to represent the society. The Church is there to represent God to the society. And, yeah, I really hope the Church would not be in step with the way that the culture is going. Although, in actual fact, I think the Church is. And she gave a remarkable insight into the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, who was basically saying to her, she picked up, look, I basically want to get where you are, but it's just going to take some time. And she implied, and I think this this comes pretty close to racism, it's basically the Africans and the Australian, well, actually the, the Sydney people, Sydney Anglicans, who are backward in this regard. And yet... She won't leave the church alone, will she? She said, it's not okay, and I said so. And she is going to campaign to get the church to change its doctrine to suit her ideology. It's, it's The arrogance and the hubris is appalling. But it's this phrase, come out for love, love for all without exceptions. I wish she'd be prepared to debate. I would challenge her to discuss what love actually is. Love is love. Yeah, what does that mean? What do you mean without exceptions? Love for all, without exceptions. You mean you can have sexual relationships with anyone you want, without exceptions. Think about the consequences of that. I prefer the definition of love that comes from 1 John 5, 3. This is love for God to obey his commands. In fact, the whole of 1 John is well worth looking at. You see, here's the problem. If you can't define what love is, then your ideology just becomes ultimately utterly meaningless. I don't think Toxic can define what love is. But we can, because God is love. Not love is God, but God is love. And that's seen in Jesus Christ. And we're going to go out with uh, U2's When Love Comes to Town, because it's a brilliant song. And that love is Christ. You can't say you love God or you know the love of God if you're not prepared to follow the commands of God. That's the point. But the love of Christ is just so vital and so important. And we came in and said, ideology, what can we do? What can we do in terms of changing people's hearts? Bill Maher recognized that need to happen. In terms of war, in terms of selfishness, in terms of violence. How can humanity be changed? And the answer is, only through the love of Christ.
So God bless you. Uh, hopefully see you next week. Thanks to Peter for producing this. If you've got any questions or comments, please send them to me. Um, theweefly.com, theweefly at gmail.com. You can go to the ASS website as well, ass.org.au, and see some of the stuff that we've got up there. I hope that you know this love that has come to town.